Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We are broadcasting from the Morton studio and excited about today's program. So Brian is out and about today and may be calling into the show at some point. And especially if he hears what our topic of the day is, he might call in. We're going to talk about tiling today. And I thought it'd be fun to have this topic on a day that Brian's not in the studio. So I, I know if you've listened to the show Probably for just more than one time, you've heard Brian talk about tiling and what a difference it's made on our farm, and it really has. It's been just huge for us. But I want to hear from other folks today. So if you're looking at your farm and you're considering a tiling project or you've done a tiling project in your lifetime or even just recently, talk to us about what what you see out in the field, what helped you make that decision, and what you think about that decision now after you've gotten it done. Our phone lines are going to be open at 844-44-AG-PHD, and we welcome your call. We also have our email box always open. That is radio at agphd.com if you have any agronomic questions. I, I love this time of year, too. We're just starting to see quite a few soil samples coming in, and as wheat crops have come off and now silage cutting in corn, we've got... Uh, well, just a lot of different things, depending on what area of the country you're in are being harvested. It's a good time to get out there, test the soil, see what we're going to need for next year. And one of the positive things about that is just seeing, oh, okay, maybe I'm better off than I thought I was in some of these areas of the field. I know for our farm, Brandon made a comment, you know, in some of the light soil and areas that just totally missed the rains this year, or we might have a 75% crop. Well, that's probably 25% more fertility than what we were thinking out would be left at the end of the season. So that could be a positive. But on the negative side, fertility prices are not cheap right now. And I think it's going to make the soil testing this fall just that much more important. We can't, I, I get it, crop prices are pretty good right now. But still, we can't afford to waste money putting fertility in the wrong spots of fields. So I know going into our harvest season, which is really right around the corner. I know we've got one of the first fields that went in, we've got corn down to 26%, which is about ready to get going here. We're we're going to get rolling in those fields and uh, this it's just going to be no time before before everything's moving again. We're we're back to to getting those fields prepped for next year. So, we're just encouraging you to get out there, keep an eye on things closely. It's happening faster at least in our geography, where we were a little bit limited in moisture and we had lots of heat this summer. It's coming on faster than what we had anticipated. So that's, that's awesome. I, I'm ready to get going on this harvest. All right, so the tiling uh, discussion today, just a lot of things to talk about. I've got some great guests coming up. I, I want to focus on on some of the problems that we get for questions all the time, like, man, my ground is too flat I don't necessarily see an easy way to get where we have to get to. And I've got some farm ground that's the exact same way that honestly, I've got some ground that hasn't been able to be tiled. I've got, it's not a big field. I got a 50, 50 or 55 acre field uh, that, that it's got a railroad right between it and the river. And that's made it a little difficult because to try and get around that, uh, I've got to go at least a mile and a half or two miles to get to where there's a crossing um, that that I could could easily do. Well, two miles, that's a long ways through not my property. So that's several landlords or several landowners I'd have to work with and also all that expense. 
Or I could try and get right directly underneath the railroad, which they are reluctantly uh, willing to do. Uh, I know that's, that's an interesting phrase, reluctantly willing. Uh, but they, they would allow it. It's just I've got to be deep and I've got to use uh, metal casing and stuff around the tile. And I've got to dig that for quite a ways. So it's not exactly cheap that way either, which is why it hasn't gotten done yet. So you got the flat ground, you got the economics, you got the challenge of where can you go. This particular project, if I do it, is going to take two lift stations to really make it work. Well, that's a challenge. Uh, so yeah, there are some tough situations out there. Now we've got some easy stuff. Uh, we've got ground that we're, we're always improving the tile on. We oftentimes start with the problem areas in the field and work from there. We don't have a lot of flat ground. It's mostly some rolling hills. So you start with the lower ground and the side hills. And, you know, if you feel like you need tile on the top of the hills too, we can always add that later. So we always end up finding some things after we get done tiling that, you know, maybe one more line over here would be nice. Or uh, we should have maybe sized that a little different. Let's add another run in here. And so we'll talk through some of those things too about just maintaining and, and even upgrading some of the tiling that's out there already. We've also got a guest that's coming on that's in a tough area of the country that has a lot of salt issues, whether it's um, sodic soils or saline soils, alkali spots out in fields. Just talk about what kind of difference can be made there. When we looked just at our own corn yields from last year, I know there was 200 bushel difference from the, the worst spots to the best spots. And you probably see the same thing on your farm. You've got some areas that really yield well and are just incredible numbers to throw out there. And then you get other areas that are quite disappointing. And if we can bring some of those low yielding areas, some of the, depending on where you're at, 50 bushel or 100 bushel spots that are dragging down your 200 or 250 bushel average, well, if we can just bump those up by 50 or bump those up by 100, all of a sudden that takes your whole farm average up quite a ways and can make a big difference. And many times we can fix those problem areas a lot easier than you can take the perfect area that's already yielding 300. Getting that to, to 400 is a lot more challenging than bringing the 100 bushel area up to 200. So we're going to work on some of those problem areas on today's show, talk to some guys who have done that, and as well as talk to the guys with really high production, high yield numbers. I know we've got at least one guest on that's going to talk about some pretty big numbers that he gets on his farm and what a difference tile has made for him. So again, our phone lines are open, 844-44-AG-PHD. It's 844 844- 442-4743. And you can always email us radio at agphd.com. And speaking of that, we're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag just a little bit later in the show. I uh, got some interesting ones, even got some pictures here. We'll have to try and figure out what's going on. Uh, so if you've got a, a picture you want to send us or a soil test or, or a tissue test, we would love to see that. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. When you're ready to harvest more corn, Drago is ready to help. The proven Drago Series 2 corn head with automatic self-adjusting deck plates beats competitive brands for harvest efficiency. And the new Drago GT features integrated deck plate ear shocks for unsurpassed yield capture. Harvest more, return more with a Drago corn head. For more information on Drago corn heads, go to dragotech.com. That's dragotec.com. 
Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Every week for more than two decades, Ag PhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people. And we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Talking about drain tile on today's Ag PhD radio show, and I know, I know, oh man, Brian Hefty gets so excited about drain tile. Brian's not on the show today, although he may call in later, uh, but Brian is out and about, so I thought it'd be a great opportunity to talk about tile. Let some other people get a, get a few words in instead of just Brian, who is very passionate about tiling because it's done such a it's made such a big difference on our farm. I uh, got Bruce Van Dyken out with us right now with Viss and Van Dyken Drainage, and Bruce isn't really all that far away from our farm over in Minnesota. Bruce, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, actually. I'm in South Dakota today. Well, there you go. I, I love it. You can jump the border over here anytime, Bruce. So yeah. when when you're doing some of these tiling projects in South Dakota, you know, for a lot of these guys, it's their first experience with tile, or maybe they've just gotten started in the last five or ten years. So you don't have a lot of problems, I would guess, that you're fixing. Are you putting in new tile or fixing up old tile? Uh, currently, we're putting in some new tile, and uh, we do have a couple of customers out here and and uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, when we're in Minnesota, quite often we, uh, uh, when we're looking for tile or digging around for tile, we we quite often say, yeah, here we are back in Minnesota. <laughs> well, and we do get questions about that, Bruce, because we're talking about it all the time, like it's a new thing, and people are like, "What are you talking about? This has been around for a long time." And we're like, "No, we we're in South Dakota. We just haven't been able to do a whole lot of tiling until really just this last ten years or so." So it is kind of nice when you're out in these fields. There, you don't have to work around other stuff. You can just go. When when you're putting in these projects in South Dakota, are you what are you getting for requirements that are a little different than Minnesota in terms of do guys like bigger lines? smaller lines more lines deeper shallow uh, anything like that different um yeah some of the soils are a little tighter um where we've been uh kind of tighten the lines up a little bit um otherwise uh, we kind of stick to stick to what we usually do so it's uh, it's pretty similar all right, so what are the big questions? You know, with some of these guys that, that are a little newer to this that, that they're looking at, obviously we've had a dry year in much of South Dakota, and, and guys are a little nervous about that. Any questions around that, or, or what are people most nervous about? 
Um, well, a dry year, I would say, is a great time to tile, and I think you can attest to that. But that's um, that's a great time to start putting tile in the ground because you know it's been wet in particular areas, and you can install it properly. Um, the, the, when the conditions are good, the tile goes in nice. So um, that's a that's a concern for people when it dries up. They think it's a like a vacuum, like it's going to suck all the moisture out of the ground, and uh, that's certainly not the case. We're we're just there to get rid of the excess. You know, you mentioned that that it has been a fairly dry year, but we've caught some rains now through the month of August and and early September. What are you seeing out in the soil? Is it pretty dry all the way down, or are you seeing some good levels of moisture now? Uh, right now we're out near Platte, and it is really dry out here. Um, last week you got about uh, two inches out here on Monday night, I believe, and it's uh, it's dry. We're not seeing any moisture the whole well. We are seeing a couple areas where the clay you can you can bunch it up, um, but but there's certainly no water in the any of the tile that we've put in so far. Does does the trench fill in nicely then when it's dry? Are you more nervous about it being dry or being wet when you're when you're doing this? Are there any problems that come about? Um, well, when you're blinding the tile, like in uh, like on our starts, you do have to be watch out that you don't drop a big hard dry clod on the tile and, and, and make a dent or smash it. Um, that's a concern. And then it, it gets a little tougher to, um, to close the lines back in when the soil is so hard and dry. It, it, you know, it kind of feels like you're, like you're trying to push frost chunks back together. So that's kind of the problems you run into. Well, we get a lot of questions around that too of, okay, so you left a ridge above where those tie lines went in. Do you just advise guys to leave it alone or do you have a, a time period that you say to leave it alone? What should you do with that? Yeah, if we're doing summer or fall tiling, I definitely recommend those guys, you know, we, we, we heap the, the dirt back up. We've got a V plow that we pull through or we uh, have on the front of our tractor and it heaps it up nicely over top of the trench line. If they can just leave the field alone till spring, that's always the best option um, because uh, it gives an opportunity for that soil to uh, fall back in where it came from with the with the rain and the snow that that melts and takes it down. Yeah, if you treat that right, it's going to last for a long, long time. Just have to be patient one time. I know this is this is something to do with my brother. He's actually pretty good about this, Bruce. If if you know Brian, patience is not his strength, but that's one thing that he is pretty good about. He's like, you know, it's just one year. We'll get through it. We'll be okay. We'll just watch out for those spots and be careful. Uh, we're talking with Bruce Van Dyke, and uh, normally operating in Minnesota, but he's over in South Dakota helping out uh, some South Dakota farmers with drainage today. Bruce, Thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. You bet. Thanks for having me. Let's head up to North Dakota. And uh, as as some of our uh, uh, cohorts like to say, the better Dakota. They call it the better Dakota. We've got Cliff Isendorf up there uh, up in northern North Dakota. I don't know, Cliff, if it's the better Dakota or not, but it sure is a pretty good one. How are you doing up there? Well, uh, we're doing, as they say, maintaining with the small amount of moisture that we got uh, our barley around 40 bushels an acre, the wheat about 30. So we are harvesting and just about done with the small grains, waiting for the soybeans to mature. Okay. So you got you got a little bit of yield out of there, not what you guys are hoping for, but I've heard a lot worse than that across North Dakota. It was a tough year for, for anybody listening that 
wasn't up in North Dakota this year. Uh, let me tell you, those guys had some tough conditions, no doubt about that. Okay, Cliff, so it's dry, you're harvesting, uh, and it's still warm. Is now the best time to tile, or do you guys like to get everything done first with harvest before before you get back out there? We like to get the fields ready for tiling, and if you plant an early harvest crop like field peas or barley, those are the ones that we look at for doing immediately after harvest. Okay. Okay, so field peas or barley, that's good good time when you work those in the rotation. I, I do talk to farmers, even in corn-soybean country, that'll plant uh, a wheat crop just so they've got, hey, these two fields we need to tile. They'll put wheat in a couple of fields just to be able to get out there sooner. And I know after seeing uh, our farm operation tile a lot into the winter, it's no fun being in those trenches and uh, be, getting all wet in, when it's cold outside. It's kind of nice to be able to do that a little earlier in the season. What about one of the things I wanted to ask you about, Cliff? I know some of the guys in your area fight uh, saline soils or alkali spots out in fields or or even sodic soils. Uh, did you have any of those problem areas on your farm or, or anybody right close to you? Just curious, what kind of impact tilings made through there? Yes, we have had that uh, that problem, and I did a presentation to the North Dakota Water Resource Districts in Grand Forks this summer. And that's one of the subjects that I took pictures five years ago, aerial pictures, and showed them how the saline problem was parallel to the railroad and parallel to a lot of our roads where the increase in elevation of the soil by creating a roadbed or a regular railroad bed and as that water comes out and goes out 60 to 80 feet, the water evaporates, the salt stays. And that's why you see a lot of that saline parallel to railroads. Very interesting. So what, I did, what I did is I showed them how Tom and I had tiled parallel to the railroad 20 feet apart on the tile lines. In five years and took pictures every year of how it only grew wheat, barley, canola above the tile lines for several years. And about the third and fourth year, those started to expand. This last past year, we had the entire surface yield a crop. That is very interesting. So so you, when you have photos like that and documentation, it really is hard to argue with. Uh, I love that. Uh, Cliff, thank you so much. Really appreciate you sharing that with us. Good luck here and stay safe through harvest. You bet. Thank you very much. Bye. Yeah, I love that about Cliff. He's always got data and he's he's always keeping an eye on things closely. And it's really important if you're going to make an improvement on your farm, like tiling, for example, to document that so you can see for yourself what kind of difference it makes. We'll be right back after this. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. 
It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash howler to learn more. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. Farming is probably the most natural thing for a person to do. It taught me how to take pride in my work, how to put something ahead of myself, whether it was getting up early to feed the livestock or working late to bring in the harvest. Farming taught me to give it my best, no matter the job. My name is Tanner. I'm a farmer. I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Our phone lines are open today at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'd love to hear from you. We're talking about tiling today. You can call about your tiling experience on your farm. Just loved hearing from Cliff up in North Dakota. Just does a great job keeping track of what's going on on his farm over a period of years so he knows that he's making the right decisions on the farm. Another guy that does a nice job uh, keeping track of what's happening on his farm is Tony over in Minnesota. Tony, thanks for calling. Really appreciate it. Uh, how are you, Darren? Pretty good, pretty good. But we're getting close to harvest. Glenn said uh, our plots here just on the same section where we've got the field day site right at the four-way stop there. He said we get some corn down to 26%. He's he's itching to get going. <laughs> well, I got a question on corn dry down. Okay. If you're looking at a corn plant, what traits, what would you see on an ideal dry down, like yellowing, uh, in relationship to kernel development, what's that, what's your opinion? I've been in a lot of fields today just looking, so I wanted to get your opinion. 
Okay, so so what are you seeing? I guess what what are you kind of you're seeing well, some major got, differences field got, to field. You know, yes, I got some areas where I'm green from the ground to the tassel, solid green, and we're at about quarter to half mil climb. I got other areas where you got two or three leaves that have yellowed and senesced due to nitrogen deficiency at the bottom of the plant. Yep. You know, and. I see other fields in the area that are completely brown and dead and died from the top down, basically. I don't have, luckily don't have any of that this year. And I got some other plants that are pretty well green, but the husks have now turned brown. Awesome. Okay, so that would be ideal. If you had a green plant top to bottom and the husk is turning brown and the corn is drying, that would be ideal. It doesn't happen that much, but you see, especially yeah. in the good areas of your farm, you might see some of that and you think, wow, that's awesome. I want to try to replicate this with whatever I can do. Some of it we can control where we've got irrigation. You can certainly control that a little bit better than where you don't. If you're in dry land, you're kind of subject to, are you getting plenty of moisture as well? So that would be good. I'd say you dialed in the fertility just right, or maybe even uh, had a little bit extra, which which isn't a bad deal all the time. So that that's what I'm looking for if we can get a green plant with a brown husk. More more commonly, we see like what you're talking about, where you've got a few leaves at the bottom turning brown, or um, yeah, sometimes you just see the whole plant give up and turn brown. And man, in many cases, that means you better get out there pretty quick and get it before it has a problem. And another question for you, if I got time. Sure. What nutrients do you feel affect the test weight of the kernel the most? Well, I know Brian would say phosphorus right off the bat. I know that made a big difference for us when we built our phosphorus levels up or if we get good phos in the soil, we often see really good test weight. But um, you don't want to run short of anything, that's for sure. So if we're, we're short of things, uh, we just aren't going to fill as well, and that would be a big one. I know having plenty of um, boron and zinc and sulfur late in the season, which is easier said than done sometimes, uh, those are all important too. And, and I, I mean, obviously all the nutrients play into that, but I, I would say if you had to pick one, I'd pick phosphorus. Okay. Well, those are my questions of the day. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot, Tony. How far away is harvest for you? Well, we're about half milk line and it all goes for green. So we're coming okay. up, but the plants are green as grass. So I've never had this situation before. The crop looks like it's going to be okay this year. Okay. So. Well, and that might oh, yeah. be part of it too. If the crop isn't fantastic for yield, well, maybe you've got plenty of nutrition out there. Then, if you if you fertilize for two fifty, uh, you're going to get two twenty or something. This could be this could be the best crop ever. Oh, awesome! Awesome. Well, that's yeah. good. That's good news to hear. I was just over, not too far away from me. I guess I was a little bit up the road closer to Mankato yesterday, and uh, the guys up there were saying it was either the best crop ever or it was disappointing for the guys that had missed a few rains or had had <laughs> some storms go through. So those guys were kind of a little little bit of sour grapes that uh, other guys were going to get 80 bushel more corn, and they were only a few miles away. There will be some of that this year. I mean – I don't think it'll be, I think it'll be possible to see 400 on the yield monitor. Awesome. Awesome. Exactly. Well, you deserve it, yeah. Tony. I know you've been working yeah, really hard. But we're a small, we, didn't, we didn't get dry this year, like, unfortunately, others did. 
Yep. So. Yep. Well, it, it all comes around. So, so I know you've had some tough okay. years, uh, last few years too, with weather that I'm glad to hear you're getting yep. a good one this time. Yeah. Well, thank you, Darren. You bet. Thanks a lot, Tony. We'll talk to you again soon. Uh, let's head over to Iowa. We've got Charles Brown with Iowa State University on a little bit to talk on some tiling. Charles, thanks for joining us. You bet. Glad to visit with you. You know, one of the questions that we get a lot about tiling is the economics because it, it's not cheap to do, but we always hear, hey, there's a pretty good payback. I know on our farm that's something we've certainly looked at. What is going to be the payback? How many years is it going to take to get our money back out of this? What do you expect? There's certainly a lot of tile in the ground in Iowa and many of your many years of experience. Well, I guess what I see here in Iowa, and of course, is we all say it depends. But uh, if you got a good soil type that is wet and and just needs tile, I think you can probably see that payback probably in three to five years. Uh, again, if you got a poor soil type that, that needs tile, you're not going to see that payback uh, near as quick, of course. But uh, from what I've seen in my own experience, uh, uh, I have some Haskatainer soil uh, that's CSR in the low 90s. It was it was wet. Uh, I did not pattern tile it. I just tiled out where I thought the wet spots were. But uh, I saw my yields probably jump uh, 30 bushels to the acre. Wow. Uh, by doing that. Uh, and like I say, I did not pattern tile it. I think I've got enough tile. It could be probably be a couple spots I could probably tile out if I wanted to. But uh, So like I say, it just depends. I got some hill ground also that the CSRs are in the uh, 70s. And uh, uh, I had seats on the side hills where you're always trying to farm around. And sure. I had to leave and we went above those and tiled those out. And I can farm straight through. So really I gained some acres there. Uh, by doing that, and pretty in a uh, in a wet year, that those fields probably yield as good, or maybe even better than my flat ground does, uh, just because the water can run off easier. So, like I say, it depends, but I think definitely the the payback is there. If you look at the price of uh, ground right now, I mean, down here in Iowa, we're looking probably for the better ground, uh, probably twelve to fourteen thousand acres. Some of us are bringing even more than that. So if you can gain some bushels by putting some tile in or, or even gaining some acres, I think the payback is pretty quick. Yeah, gaining acres back. Like you say, acres, it doesn't matter where you're at. And obviously Iowa is is pretty pretty high-priced ground sometimes there. But uh, it, no matter where you're at, the ground is expensive. And if you That's can gain right. acres back on your farm, I know for, for our dad, I, I I don't even know how many acres. I guess we haven't really put a number to exactly how many acres we've gotten back, but we've gotten back acres on a number of fields on, on dad's ground. And that's a big, big deal. Sure. Yeah. I've got a, a hillside here. I just been mowing for, for hay and, and such, uh, but um, definitely it's only probably be a couple acres, but I can probably put a couple thousand dollars into it and tile it and probably farm it and, that's cheaper than buying those acres. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sure is. Okay, you mentioned flat ground too, Charles, and I know a lot of flat ground ends up getting pattern tiled, but one of the questions we get on that flat ground is, okay, I've got to put a lift station in to be able to move this. Now, there's there's a lot of different drainage ways uh, in Iowa, but I'm sure there's some guys that are, are stuck putting a lift station in here or there. What do you see with that? Once you have to spend a little extra money like that, I know it's going to take a little more time, but does that a lot of times fall into that category where you've got a good soil type and it just really need some help so you got a chance for a great return i think that's true yeah if you got a good soil type uh, anything you can do to help it's going to boost your yield uh, to be honest with you i don't know of any lift 
stations here and uh, we're in the area that I'm, I'm in. Even, I say it's flat ground, but it does have a gradual slope to it. There's always been a way to, you know, to find a ditch or a creek or something to drain it out to. Good, so we good. haven't had that problem here. I'm in southeast Iowa. We're in southeast Iowa. Now, you get sure. up in the north central uh, where there's probably flatter ground and not as many places to drain to. Uh, they may have that situation, but I know they've also put a lot of huge mains in those areas so they can tile into the mains too yeah you know there's a lot of different ways to to get this thing done we're talking with charles brown here with iowa state charles thank you so much for sharing experience from your own operation and and from across the state stay tuned we'll be right back we now bring you an important news bulletin This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of Burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds. Even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping Dad. And Dad always said farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. When it comes to harvest, every kernel counts. And nothing captures more kernels than the new Drago GT or the proven Drago Series 2 corn heads. Both have automatic self-adjusting deck plates, and the new Drago GT features quad suspension deck plate ear shocks for even greater harvest efficiency. Nothing in the field captures more yield. For more information on Drago corn heads, go to dragotech.com. That's dragotec.com.
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, talking tiling here in the Ag PhD studios today. And it's really fun when we get a chance to talk to high-yielding growers and guys that have been doing a lot of the right things. Obviously, there's still more things can be improved on. we got Dan Lipkiss with us right now. He's over in Illinois. Okay, Dan, so tiling on your farm. We, we hear about the high yields. How big a deal is tiling, and, and what makes that decision a smart one on your farm? Well, I think, you know, it's, it's kind of step one almost, you know, when either – you know, if it's land you have or, or buying ground or if you rented some additional pieces, I mean, you almost you almost have to start with that. It's one of the most important things you can do. We've all seen where poor, poor drainage is just a, you know, a yield robber. And, uh, boy, if, starting to figure something else out about tiling, starting to see the different, uh, the different advantages you can get. So uh, last week we were down at uh, Pontiac, Illinois at PTI's farm, you know, the precision farm down there with sure. Jason Webster. And they tile into a, you know, a, a man-made uh, pond that they built or lagoon. That's a couple acres. And they're irrigating, you know, off their tile water. So, you know, I've been looking at that a couple years. And this year we're in a, we're basically in a heck of a drought here. So I've got some tile water coming off of a, um, where I have my drip irrigation, uh, so, so some of that water goes on through and it comes down your tile. So I'm thinking, geez, I need to be capturing that. So, uh, a couple months ago, I bought some stuff, a four inch trash pump and a 1200 feet of lay flat hose. And I'm pumping my tile water now over to my, my irrigation detention pond and recapturing that. And, 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 you know, you think, well, tile water, how much is that really? you know, how much you're really getting, but this particular deal is just coming off a hundred acres there and it's about 200 gallon per minute and 200 gallon per minute might even sound like not, not like a lot, but that's 288,000 gallons a day, you know, that, that I'm pumping over and, and helping my irrigation system out. So I'm looking at, in fact, I got my drip guys coming out this afternoon. We're going to look at a couple farms that have tile or thinking about adding some more tile just to gain or partially to gain more irrigation water in these areas that it's hard to come up with some water so a couple different ways to look at tiling you know one thing's to drain but it also could be a water source for you yeah that is very interesting i know we've talked to a lot of uh, folks about what can i irrigate back through the tile lines and that type of thing and you can it just you've got to set your tile up a lot different than you would if you were just working on drainage and and i get it when you're doing drip tape irrigation it's not like every single ounce of that is going to get pulled in by the crop if you can catch what doesn't get pulled in by the crop give the crop another shot at it that's pretty cool i like that yeah, I'm basically recycling it. I mean, I'm watching it. I'm pumping it out because <laughs> some of it's coming down the tile, and I'm sucking her back up and putting her back in, you know. So same way with any, if there would be any nutrient loss with that. And actually, I've, I pulled some water samples, but we don't have the results yet. So I kind of want to see if we got any fertility, you know, that we're gaining or getting from that too it'd be kind of interesting to see yeah i think so i know everybody's always worried especially about nitrogen and that oh no nitrogen's gonna leach away but to a lesser degree but still important sulfur and boron and those types of things so those are all huge things that that yeah if you could irrigate those back onto your crop and give them like i said before another shot at those nutrients too that could be could be a good thing i don't think you're going to see a lot though dan i don't think you're going to see a lot of nutrients in there but but anything is hey if you got anything in there that's awesome let's give it another shot 
Right. Yeah, I, I don't expect really to see much of anything. I'm actually kind of hoping I don't. Otherwise, that means we're losing some, uh, you know, through uh, through through our tile systems. But uh, from what I was talking, like Jason out there at the PTI farm, they're putting on a lot of nutrients, and they test like weekly, and they haven't been seeing any nutrient loss, and that that's good to hear, you know. Yeah, I, we're always looking for for tips from growers that are really successful we're talking with dan lipkiss here and i think if you're catching it here dan's giving you one big tip without necessarily saying hey write this down but uh, i'll just tell you write this down he's testing water quality what's coming out of those tile lines what am i losing if anything and if so how can i adjust the program dan thanks for joining us thanks for throwing those ideas out i really appreciate that hopefully uh, there's some growers who benefit from that too you bet darren have a good day you, you as well uh, let's head over to Minnesota. I uh, got Kevin Lippert with us right now with Lippert Tile. Uh, Kevin, how you doing? Good. All right. So we were talking a little bit ago with Charles Brown down at Iowa State, and he said, nah, "I don't have a lot of experience with lift stations. A lot of guys where he's at in Southeast Iowa don't don't have a big challenge. How about where you're at in Central Minnesota? Do you run into a lot of lift stations there in some flat ground? Yeah, they put some putting some lift stations in. We put in a couple in some areas that they don't have an outlet or they're up against the railroad don't want to deal with them guys and so they they do put some lift stations in around in this area yeah, i was just talking about the rail situation for myself <laughs> on a piece of ground i might have to put a lift station in okay so you do a lot of tiling but you don't have to do a lot of lift stations and i know a lot of times people get hung up in oh man you know what's the worst and toughest situation i could possibly be in uh but but what you're telling me is uh that isn't as common as as you may hear we got some other alternatives to get a guy where he needs to go uh, so yeah. when you look at a field a lot of do you run into that a lot where a farmer says well i think it's gonna have to go like this and and you got a whole bunch of ideas they just haven't even considered yeah um normally i i pull an elevation map first off in their field and you know if they got any old town maps or drainage or how good the outlet is you know whether you can go deeper or not i guess that's a good starting point um what they want to do but um once they start, it's it's pretty tough to quit instead of, you know, I'm a proponent of the pattern tile because once you start, it's like uh, the wet spot just seems to move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would agree with you on that, that we, we've we got some rolly ground, and a lot of times we'll we'll try to fix where there's, we know there's a real problem, and then what you learn is, okay, that problem area is a little bigger or it shifted a little bit, and and we just need another line there. And by the time you're done, you're right. You could have just pattern tile it from the beginning. But but guys want to save money, Kevin. They want to do it cheap. And do you see that being, well, I'm just going to tile this part of the field? Or do you see very wide spacing that they could always come back and add more tile? How, how do you get into it without spending a ton of money? Well, you can stretch it out to 120 on 5-inch, and then they can go back in if they want. I've done that a couple times. Um they haven't called back to replace it, so it, you know obviously they're somewhat happy with it. I guess to go out to 120, so you can go back in at 60 foot spacing. Um, you can stretch four inch out; that's a little less cost than what tile is now, I guess. But you know, the tile cost went up dramatically. So I I I think I've been telling guys that they they're just in for a new norm. You know, this this spring in February I ordered. 400,000 feet of tile 
and everybody pretty much paid for it, got it on the ground, and you know they saved themselves probably thirty cents a foot just in the cost of plastic. So. Wow! And so the, the the amount of tile that or the guys that are on projects now, um, they they just got to kind of bite the bullet because uh, you know the tile companies they made this big jump in plastic, and I don't see it coming down 30 cents i see it coming down a dime or maybe 15 but i think we're going to get to a new norm in in, in uh, the cost of tiling but if you look at it land is selling anywhere from that nine to fifteen thousand dollar range and you can pattern tile it for seven or eight that's only ten percent of the cost of what the land is worth so you know it's a one-time lifetime investment um you know and there's other tax advantages too uh, it's a project that I worked on this spring with the landowners and stuff like that. And once uh, it was a it was a big number to pattern tile, and we put a big berm in and got and mitigated some wetlands and stuff like that. And it was a big number, but once it got explained how to you know borrow money and uh, the tax advantage for them that they didn't have to pay as much in taxes and stuff like that, they weren't going to them keep the money. And the number wasn't so big, so I mean, it, sure. it, it helps to explain those numbers all. Yeah, and that's a good point, Kevin. I, I'd strongly recommend talk to your tax accountant and see exactly how to account for this, how to do it in the right way to save yourself some money and, and get the most advantage you can financially. Uh, talking again with Kevin Lippert with Lippert Tile over in Minnesota. Thanks, Kevin. Really appreciate all the input. Stay safe. I know you got a you got a busy fall season coming up. We'll be right back talking a little more tiling and digging into the Ag PhD mailbag after this. In an uncertain market, you need to maximize the quality and profitability of your stored grains by controlling profit-robbing insects. A tank mix of Daikon IGR and Sentinel EC insecticide, or Daikon IGR Plus, offers the long-term control of an insect growth regulator and the knockdown power of a broad-spectrum insecticide. Keep your grain clean with grain protectants from Central Life Sciences. To learn more, contact your local dealer or visit bugfreegrains.com. Nothing waits for a farmer. Not the weather, the banker, the crops. It's never at a farmer's convenience. So when it comes to crop protection savings programs, how come they get to ask you to wait for a rebate? Don't wait for rebates. Get the True Choice offer from Corteva AgriScience for instant upfront savings on crop protection products. Ask your local Pioneer sales representative or your crop protection retailer about the True Choice offer from Corteva. But don't wait. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. 
AgPhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the AgPhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the AgPhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. It's about time. Applied planning, new Zyway 3D fungicide from FMC delivers foliar disease protection from planting to harvest. Active ingredient Flutriafol moves from the soil through the corn as it grows for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. For season-long protection, choose first-of-its-kind Enfurrow Zyway 3D fungicide. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studios today. And we've been talking about drainage tile and getting a number of questions coming in through the Ag PhD mailbag. I, I think I'm going to run out of time here if I don't start diving into those questions right now. Let's go to mailbag. It's the mailbag. All right. First question comes from Josh in South Dakota. He said, I'm a, a small, younger farmer. And I, I strip-tilled liquid fertilizer with a shank this spring and was reasonably happy with it, but it's been so dry, couldn't really see a huge difference in my tissue samples this summer. I got a good used air cart that I can use this fall to put on dry fertilizer and looking at doing crop removal for a corn yield goal of 225 bushel in a corn-soybean rotation field, roughly 150 pounds of MAP, 100 pounds of potash. Just wondering about, should I add zinc in there at a 10 to 1 ratio to the phosphate just to try to keep the balance, or should I apply it separately? Uh, that question, I would say this. A lot of times with those micronutrients and, and just blending too many things in one tank, you end up with a, a weight and density difference with the granules. So, for example, if the, the zinc sulfate or whatever zinc product you're using is wildly different than the, the weight and density of a MAP or a potash that you're mixing it with, uh, then that, that could settle out or settle to the top and you wouldn't get an even spread. So I, I'm a lot of times nervous about that if you're adding completely different granules. Sometimes you see where you could put a, a treatment or a coating on a MAP or a DAP with, with an additional um, nutrient like a zinc, for example. We see lots of those types of products on the market. That might be a better way to do that in this case than, than using a straight MAP or a straight potash with a straight zinc sulfate product. So that might be something to consider. Also, uh, Josh mentions this field has been soil tested and basically is low in everything. So I'm not going to be over applying anything uh, and wondering just if do I need to make multiple passes or what should I do? And I, I would make multiple passes in this uh, space, Josh. Now that you say you're way low on everything, I guess that does allow for more blending then if you said, hey, I'm high in some areas of my field in, in certain nutrients and low in other areas where, where you're really going to have to vary uh, zinc differently than you'd vary the phosphorus or potash. But I would do it different if it was me. Hey, thanks for the question and good luck to you, Josh. That's that's a big project that you're working on and it's not cheap, but hopefully you'll see the, the kind of benefit we've seen in our farm from building up fertility levels in the soil. I got this comment for Tom, and he said, uh, uh, 
what goes up must come down. Uh, you can't rewrite the laws of physics. The more you're taking out of a field, the more you need to put back in. And just talking about the difference between corn harvest with silage and grain. Uh, I do use some of my own corn for silage, but if I were to sell any, I think I would request the full value of the predicted grain yield plus a certain price per ton for whatever the stover is, but probably not going to get anybody that would offer me that. No, I agree with you, Tom. It's it's hard to put a value on some of those things. And you're right. There's absolutely some value in the stover. I know a lot of folks will say, all right, I want what the grain would have gotten me so I get the same income, but then I want the manure back for that ground to, to make up for all the stover and everything else. So I don't know. Sometimes there's some different trade-outs. I, I agree. If you're just doing a cash deal and that's it, uh, that yes, uh, harvesting silage is worth more than just harvesting the grain, no doubt. Uh, thanks for the for the question. We really appreciate that. Thanks for your kind words too. Uh, get this one from George uh, over in Bulgaria. And George said, I appreciate you guys answering my agronomic questions. I got one for you on conventional sunflowers. What would you recommend pre-plant in terms of herbicides for weed control? Uh, I have been using the active ingredients in your products, Outlook and Prowl H2O. So Outlook, for anyone unfamiliar with that, that is a group 15 grass killer. Uh, Prowl H2O, pendimethalin is one of those yellows that we talk about a lot that we're using in soybeans. So uh, that that's not a bad combo if that's labeled for sunflowers in your area. We like adding sulfentrazone, which would be the active ingredient in Spartan or Authority. That's been really good. We've been utilizing that with a Prowl H2O or a Sonalan, one of those yellows, and getting a couple different modes of action. We like that a lot. So uh, if you're worried more about grass, uh, the Group 15 option is better than the Sulfentrazone as a, an addition to the Prowl H2O. But if you're saying, hey, my Prowl H2O knocks out all that grass, not worried about that, I'm worried about broadleaves, well, then you, I like the sulfentrazone or spartan or authority better than i'd like the outlook so i love that you're doing a couple modes of action george we just do uh, the prowl plus the sulfentrazone would be our choice thanks for the question uh, next one in wheat this one's from diego diego's down in argentina said, I got a, a question. I've gotten multiple answers for this one. So I wonder what your opinion is. If you apply a phosphorus product like MAP and dry granules, you till it in, just wondering how much of that will be available in the first growing season. How much would you count on coming available in the next three or four years? A lot of guys here say maybe 20 or 25% comes available year one and the rest comes available down the road. Uh, also, Diego sent a picture of uh, wheat and said, How's, how do you think my wheat's looking here? Uh, I've been trying to apply your fertility knowledge and also Neil Kinsey's information as well as much as I can. Okay, Diego, thank you so much. Really appreciate that. And, and yeah, I agree with you on the fertility side. And just to address that one first, I think the wheat looks pretty good. And you're right. There are a lot of different opinions on how to do that. But I found what the, the Kinsey-Albrecht system has been to be pretty darn accurate. And it's, it's worked quite well for a lot of growers around the world. So glad to hear you're having success with that. In terms of this MAP question and how much MAP will come available year one, I'm sure that it depends. I'm sure that it varies. But 
I've heard that number too a lot. That maybe twenty twenty five percent of that's available now, and so you've put Map on uh, for a few years, and you got more that comes available out of the the previous applications, or more that's that's just out there in the soil that that you can get access to. Soil tests are are pretty good tools to give you an idea of what's going to come available. I know we talk a lot in low pH soils of using the Bray test and looking at the P one versus the P two. So the P one is a weaker acid that kind of gives more immediate availability. The P2, a little bit stronger acid, which kind of gives you more of, hey, this is what you're going to get out of here this season. And a lot of times we see that number being a little bit higher. So it, it depends on a number of factors, what your pH is, what crop you're growing, how how healthy that root system is, how much of the soil it can explore, those types of things. But, but yeah, I've heard a lot of the same thing that roughly 25% of that phosphorus is available year one and the rest comes available later. Uh, that's often why we see guys who are short in phosphorus using some liquid or maybe a combination of liquid in furrow or two by two and then coming back with a, a broadcast or a strip till application of of a dry product like MAP and try and hit it two different ways that way and get some quicker availability out of some of the FOSS, especially orthophosphorus sources in the liquid. Hey, thanks, Diego. Really appreciate the question. Thanks for the picture, too. Hopefully everything's going well for you and your family. Uh, get this one from Ann Kit, who said, I'm wondering about gypsum and high pH soils. You guys talk about fixing high pH soils. Do you think gypsum is part of the equation? Well, that's a great question because it depends on how uh, that pH or why that pH is high in that area. What is happening in that soil that's making the pH high? The pH is a function of a nutrient imbalance. Basically, when it gets way out of whack, something is too high. Now, with high pH soil, it could be high in sodium. It could be high in magnesium. It could already be too high in calcium. And in that case, adding more calcium out there may not be a help. It may actually hurt. So can gypsum be a solution in high pH soils? Absolutely. But could could uh, an overabundance of calcium also be a problem? Yes. So I would recommend taking a complete soil analysis, seeing exactly what's making this pH high to to determine if gypsum could be part of your solution. When when you think about gypsum too, the calcium is one thing to focus on. The sulfate portion of gypsum is the other. And a lot of times what we see, like say for example, we're high in magnesium. If the magnesium could displace the calcium and attach to the sulfate and eventually move through the soil, magnesium sulfate is Epsom salt, which is leachable. You could get rid of some excess magnesium potentially if you've got good drainage. Getting good subsoil drainage was was the topic for our show today. And if you put gypsum out there in con, in conjunction with good drainage in the soil to move out some of those excess nutrients like magnesium or sodium, yeah, gypsum could be a good helper for you. Hey, thanks for the feedback. Really appreciate it. Thanks for the question. And that's all the time we have for today's program. So please join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. <music>